We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it is time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Portland Trailblazers. It's also time to kick off the week, and I have to start with a programming note. Some of you might be coming to this episode wondering, where is my normal Monday edition of the Knicks Film School podcast with John and Jeremy, or at least the beginning of the week edition of the Knicks Film School pod with John and Jeremy? We usually record if the Knicks play on Sunday on Monday night. Well, in the interest of load management, something the Knicks should probably invest in if they want to keep these guys fresh for the playoffs uh we decided that episode is now going to air on wednesday morning i guess technically thursday morning we're recording wednesday night uh is the plan with john and jeremy and myself we will recap the road trip and then as the knicks take a couple of days off we will reassess where things stand with the final 11 games over a 27 day span about to take place uh but there's one more game that the knicks have to play and it's going to be potentially well, first of all, without Jalen Brunson is the game that they're going to play, but it's potentially without Dame Lillard. And the conversation you're about to hear with me and Danny Morang of the Jacked Ramsey's podcast, which is part of the Blue Wire podcast network. It's also, um, it might have no Dame Lillard. It might have no Jeremy Grant. And one player that it will have is Cam Reddish. So uh, all of that is discussed in just a second with Dan. Uh, this man is uh, a fascinating uh, member of this industry, and I enjoy talking to him about basketball, let alone the Portland Trailblazers, might be the most inside insider we've had on this pod. So let's get into it. We went a little longer because I knew that this was going to take place of your Monday morning or technically beginning of the week pod. Um, so hopefully you don't miss John and Jeremy too much. They'll be back on Thursday morning. But until then, let's get into it. My conversation with Danny Morang of the Jack Ramsey's podcast. Enjoy. Joining me now here in the Knicks Film School pregame show with the Knicks wrapping up their four game West Coast trip, most likely without Jalen Brunson. Uh, we'll see who else might not be playing in this game. Uh, he is a friend of the pod. You remember him from his outstanding appearance over the summer where he confirmed that he also didn't want Julius Randle. <laughs> and in hindsight, thank you for 
talking us out of that. It's every other year. It's every other year. That's what it is. We've been making the case that he might actually be the most improved player this year, especially after last season. Mm -hmm. Um, But even though you're in your, even though those of you in New York watching and listening um, are here, if you have the Odyssey app, check him out on one Oh, on 1080 the fan uh on the odyssey app uh in portland and of course here on the blue wire podcast network he is the host of the jacked ramsey's podcast mr danny meringue welcome back to the next film school podcast it's, it's good to be back it's uh it's it's a weird little relationship we got a nice little portland new york like yeah. little trade little trade uh what do you call it the exchange program going uh we're, we're, we're building bridges uh we're, and, we're, we're both big bridge cities portland and new york we really yes. like our bridges and so I, th- I feel like that's, that's, that's what's happening here. Speaking of bridges, uh, there was a bridge into our seasons this year <laughs> in the fact that the trade that might have elevated the Knicks to a, a level that nobody expected <laughs> happened through Portland. And it took a hive away from us that just dun, dun, won't dun. go away. Uh, so we'll talk <laughs> about all of it. I promise, Knicks fans, we will talk about Cam Reddish on the pod and we'll find out how things are going in Portland. But um, I did a little research and more mm-hmm. specifically, I just looked at your tweets over the past couple of days and I've the, wanted the, to get the painkiller induced tweets. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to get into it, but you're also kind of uh, on the mend at the moment. And God bless you for doing a podcast with me. I literally meantime, have nothing else to do. So look, well, good. You, you've literally got me out of bed for like the first time in two weeks. So. Well, then you're welcome for getting yeah. you out of bed for the first time. In there two you go. Weeks. We'll give a little peek behind the curtain. I literally popped a Percocet before we started the show. Yes. So, so this may go places <laughs> that I am not prepared for, but we'll navigate through. Um, I did see you talking about Chauncey and talking about the coach and mm-hmm. more discussing the how this season has gone with some Portland Trailblazers yep. fans. And I like to get a vibe check when people show up to this show, especially for a team that has a Hall of Famer having, I mean, just by it's, the it's his best season. Yeah. It's, it's one of his best seasons. No, it's, it's, not it's his, his best. So his, Dame is having is one of his best seasons. It might be the, the singular best offensive season in Trailblazers history. And they're having not the best season as no. a team and the 31 and 37, they've mm. lost five of their last 16 since the Josh Hart trade. I'm not mm. saying it's because of the Josh Hart trade, but they're four and nine yes. since that stretch. Um, how are the vibes right now in Portland? Awful, awful. Um, but I shouldn't say awful. The, they're really bad following an embarrassing loss to the Pelicans where they got done 39 in the game. Um, what really crippled them is they they just finished with a six game road trip where they lose on a last second shot by, to Joel Embiid mm-hmm. uh, in a game that they were up uh, 21 against the 76ers. Watch the uh, entire second half. Thank you. Live Philly money line. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think Portland really fell apart as much as Embiid took over. Like mm-hmm. it was uh, Nurkic, I, I thought played him really well in the first half. Uh, I thought he got absolutely torched in the second half. Um, and that, that's, and B does that. I mean, Nick's fan, you guys are, you're right there. You see him mm-hmm. do it regularly. Uh, he's an MVP candidate for a reason. Um, but losing them the way that they did, Nurk missed four free throws in the final, what, two minutes. Um, Blazers lose by one. I mean, you get one of those free throws, you likely change the outcome of the game. Uh, and then you fly to New Orleans uh, and had the Blazers beaten the 76ers. I have a reeling suspicion. Damian Lillard probably would have played against the Pelicans. Like there would there, cause it, there's an opportunity there to go four and two on the road trip. Mm-hmm. They, they would have been, you know, three and two going into that game. And if they go four and two in that road trip, you can really talk yourself into play it. Like, okay, we've got something here. Anthony Simons is back. Yusuf Nurkic is back. Jeremy Grant is avoided some injuries. Okay. Let's, let's ride this thing. Um, they get the ever living crap kicked out of them in New Orleans in, in, in easily the most embarrassing loss of the season. 
uh, you know, Trey Murphy, the third goes for 41, mm-hmm. 41 to Trey Murphy. Like I, you're watching like Shaden Sharp go under screens on Trey Murphy after he's hit like six threes and you're just sitting there going, what the hell is happening? And if you contrast with the vibes at the start of the season, when they started 10 and four, it's the complete opposite. But the flip right. side is like, there's, there's always that population group. that's like, good. It's tank time. And like, even I, I put up the tank mm-hmm. gif. Like it's, it's done. The, the play in stuff's done. Now it's about pivoting and, and getting the most out of um, what they can from their assets. But uh, guys, are, the fan base in general, I think it's pretty, pretty sour right now. Before I get back to the fan base, I should mention to those listening, like you, you have access, like you're in the locker room. Often. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at every, I'm at literally every game. So you, you will know this better than anybody yeah. um, is the organization also at tank time. I think that that okay, Joe Cronin and the Trailblazers organization, obviously they, they flipped the switch last year mm-hmm. at they lost 20, 22 of twenty-five. It was impressive. Down the stretch. Yes. It was I mean, it made the <laughs> it made the process 76ers look like chumps. Like yes. oh, let me show you how to lose. They lost 15 games by 30 or more. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna go to that at level. Like, cause you can't shut Damian Lillard down for what, 12, 12 games remaining? Just about, yeah. 12, 13 games, whatever the math is. Uh, 14, uh, 14, 14 games, to be 14. exact for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can't shut Damian Lillard down for 14 games when in the season when he's likely going to be in first team all NBA. I mean, he's been the best point guard in the NBA this year. Um, this Like just the, the accolades, the historical stuff like that. It matters. Say what you want. Like that stuff matters. And he's not a guy that abides rest, uh, particularly after missing basically all of last year. You weren't going to get him shut down for another 14 games. Now, final week of the season, the final three games, you might get him shut down, but he's going to, he's going to play those next 10 or so games uh, if he clears healthy. Um, But I think what you're seeing with the likes of Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant being listed as questionable, which in Blazers parlance means uh, will be decided at tip off. I think you're seeing the launch of the soft launch of the tank (laughs) as it were. Interesting. Um, Let's just get your, your, uh, your temperature on tomorrow's game in particular mm-hmm. scale. I don't, know, I don't know if it's a scale of one to 10 is Dame going to play, but if, just yes or no. Do you think Dame is going to play in this game against the Knicks? If it's up to Damian Lillard, he will play. Okay. That's what I'll put it at. It, it, it won't be Dame that, that is opting to sit down. It so then the follow-up is, is it up to Damian Lillard to play? That's a coin toss because okay. like he he's in the past that when he first aggravated his right calf, which is what he's dealing with right now. Um, he came back from it probably just a little bit too early and, and mildly aggravated it on a trip, coincidentally enough, in New Orleans. Um, and they they took his jersey out of the locker. Ooh. Like they wouldn't just to keep him off the floor. It was like, Dame, you're not playing. And that's the organization protecting Dame from himself. Like calf strains, hamstrings. Like I kind of get that. Like when you're talking about those muscle groups, like those ones, like when they go, they're wildly problematic. I mean, James Harden dealt with one for basically two years. Chris Paul was like a year and a half. Like, when you start dealing with calves and hamstrings, you just, if it, if it goes anywhere past grade one, you're like, mm, cut it out. So mm. um, if I, honestly, if I, if, if I had to say, if Dame is going to go tomorrow, this is what I would say. If he goes, he's going to play like the next handful of games. If mm. he doesn't go, then the soft launch of the tank becomes, is he out for the next, five, six games is yeah. he out for the season. Like that's a much bigger conversation. And with them just getting back home from a road trip in which they ended the road trip, getting the crap kicked out of them without Damian Lord on the floor. I don't think you come home and have that discussion right away. 
and like, you probably let that one marinate for 24 hours. So we'll see where it goes. And in New York, we look, Jalen Brunson's not playing, as I mentioned mm-hmm. at the top. And there's speculation on whether or not this is a soft, like you've been playing more minutes than you have in your whole career for Thibodeau. And you've been our most important player this season. And this is a sneaky way of getting you some rest. Like it's a very mid Portland team. Right. But like it's it's been this whole road trip. He came back for one half against Sacramento, probably rushed back too soon from, from an injury. Mm -hmm. And they, I kind of predicted that this would be the outcome in that. Like once he went out at Sacramento, it's like, we're probably not going to see him the rest of this road trip. And then they have three days off from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which is until great a, until a matinee against Jokic. I think he sits that too. And then they play again on Monday. And it's why Loki, this is a very important game, but if so, they can steal one, like it keeps them right there. And while also resting Brunson. Yeah, exactly. And so 100%. the Randall of it all though, Randall hasn't missed a game this year. He's played all 70 games. It's, it's probably your ability lo- looks like. Well, huh? so like the case for his all NBA standing is mm-hmm. that he's played every game at mm-hmm. this level. And Which so many guys in the front court haven't. So as a result, mm-hmm. you understand why they're not giving him a much needed rest day. Mm-hmm. However, I don't know if you watched the national game last Sunday against the Celtics in which mm-hmm. they played double overtime and he and Emmanuel quickly played. Yeah, what a quick finish with minutes. 55? Uh, quick finish with 55 minutes and 37 yeah. points. Yeah. yeah. So like after that, this team has looked gassed and yeah. they kind of like Naturally. gutted one out against the Lakers yesterday. But there's been a lot of people in the fan base with like this. These guys need to need a blow. And I, I knew they weren't going to. But I guess where I go my, to my next question is like if Dame were in that situation, but with this kind of injury, do you think he's playing tomorrow? Like if the season wasn't, well, like you said, kind of on yeah, the brink of yeah, getting no, away it, from them, like say they're 37 and 31. Is Dame, would, Dame would 100 percent force it. OK, he would force it. Um, like the organization would have to step in and like have a very serious conversation about with the health and fitness people. And like, this is where that whole Gary Payton thing and then all the crap that was peddled mm-hmm. by that absolute, like just pile of crap article from Slater uh, and, and the, uh, the athletic. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll gladly name check him when it was that stupid um, that the Blazers would ever treat their or their players like that. Um, they, they wouldn't allow somebody to put themselves in a position to hurt themselves. Um, so if it was something where the health and fitness uh, group and the front office were on the same page with, Hey, it's, it's actually, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're like monitoring thresholds and he hasn't, he hasn't redlined anything. Then I think they'd let him play. But if he's, if he's nearing that stuff, like all these guys, they all wear trackers in their jerseys now, like to see how much mileage they're getting, you know, how much sleep they're getting. Oh, yeah. Like all, all that stuff is all monitored. Yeah. The next CBA, like when it comes out with the player tracking stuff, it's going to be really interesting to see what's in there on that stuff, because you're disclosing a lot of personal information. I'm sure teams are going to start wanting, you know, that information in off seasons and at home and away. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff in there. And then Jeremy Grant, is he playing in this game? Well, Jeremy will see because he left the game against the Pelicans with a lacerated eye, uh, came back after that. And this is following a concussion that he had cleared two weeks ago. Uh, and he's been dealing with banged up hand, banged up leg, banged up knee. Um, I think they have, I think they have him listed as a thigh contusion. I can't remember. Cause there's so many people that's been, that have been in and out on the injury report. Um, but if I was if I was a betting man, I'd probably say Jeremy gives it a go. I don't okay. think any, I don't think there isn't anything unless it popped up on the flight home or with a checkup and practice today that when he was getting treatment, it looked worse. But like I said, questionable in Blazers parlance under this administration has been. Let's see what it looks like at tip off. 
that's not something Knicks fans necessarily want to hear. I know like Dame playing does take a little bit of the fear of God out of you, but yeah. the last time the Knicks played the Blazers, was that's right. Jeremy went nuts Jeremy went in that off, game. and Simons <laughs> went off. So that's all it has to take. And we don't have Jalen Brunson this time. So yes. um, it's an important, a very important game for the Knicks to get before to at least make this a two and two road trip without Brunson. So that way you, you get to the last, you can go five on the road trip without your best player. That's, that's a hell of a road. Trip. And as a result, you have 11 games over 27 days that you can yeah. kind of, Get that's, your much needed rest, manage, and yeah. exactly. So um, that'll be that. I guess we'll wait and see by the time people listen to this later today. You'll find out who's going to suit up for the Blazers. Um, let's get the Dame question out of the way now, mm-hmm. because um, I'm with your access. I'm assuming that uh, you you've talked to Dame and may know a little better than others that speculate whether or not he may want to go to a different place and play yeah. for a different team. Um, I'm going off of your word on this because you've been adamant that he's not going anywhere. And yet I've had some pregame pods where I've talked to people, potentially a Clippers fan Mm. or a Clippers uh, insider Mm. that is like, if this doesn't work out, Paul George for Dame is in play. And if this doesn't work out, James Harden for Dame is in play. Um, Put it to put it to bed. We're, yeah, is Dame's, Dame actually Dame's not going anywhere? And Dame's is that anywhere. okay? Dame's not going anywhere. Dame's not going anywhere. The only thing that would happen that could p- potentially shake that up is if Portland sat on their hands this summer. And if I was a betting man, I would bet strongly against Portland sitting on their hands this summer. Uh, what does that know, look like sitting on their hands? I mean, kind of doing what they what the the Neil Olshay teams did, which is little tinker here, a little tinker there. Like I expect Portland to be a big time player for, you know, one of the top 10, 12 players in the league. Really? Like, they've got all of their draft picks. Like, let me rephrase this there. They have a pick currently owed to the Chicago bulls that is lottery protected into perpetuity or until 2028. They have the five second round picks that they got in the Gary Payton deal. <laughs> they got the Knicks pick in mm-hmm. the heart reddish deal. Yes, they do. They could give those five second round picks to the Bulls and say, hey, would you like draft capital now or would you like to continue kicking this can? Because this is year three. Like one in the hand better or five in the hand is better than one in the bush kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. That would then free up all of their picks. They they, they don't have any other picks out. And so that would mean they would have four first round picks, three swaps, plus Shaden Sharp, plus Anthony Simons, basically everything not named Damian Lillard. And if they are a tanking team and they end up in the lottery, let's say they end up in the top, top six pick in this draft where you're likely going to get one of the Thompson twins. Like if you're, if you're top six, like that's mm-hmm. like the, as bad as it gets. Yeah. You're getting one of the Thompson twins who like a lot of draft experts really like. So now you've got one of the Thompsons, you've got Shaden Sharp, you've got Anthony Simons, you've got $17 million in, in salary cap ballast and Yusuf Nurkic, and you've got four first round picks and three swaps. What team out there is beating that? Mm. I, listen, I hope so. I I like watching Dame. I, but that's kind of like my point. Like, as, as you know, Portland's going to go make an offer on somebody. The only teams that have draft capital that can compete with that are OKC and Utah, and they're not in a position to make those moves right now. And even then, you're just looking at picks with those teams. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in the league that look at Shaden Sharp as a blue chip prospect. So then I have to I have to ask about market, though, is how much does the fact that because like the Knicks are kind of in pole position for a guy almost got a guy last summer and they decided it wasn't the time now that they're coming off a season where they could finish as high as the five seed Mm -hmm. and you have all your picks and you have controllable contracts and you have matching salary Mm -hmm. and you have all these OKC picks that they traded in the draft last year. 
you know, the, the market of New York, wouldn't that put them in a better position? Or do you still think because the attraction of playing with Dame? That's the kicker. It's like, okay. Because one of the things Dame was, I don't want to say reluctant to do, but he didn't do a ton of earlier in his career, which was really, really recruit guys. And then he did, and he went and got Jeremy Grant. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it was like, oh, is that how this works? You know, mm-hmm. uh, part of it was because he was an Adidas guy and he didn't get invites to NBA basketball or the Team USA basketball because he was with the wrong shoe company. And for those that don't understand those politics, those were real. Those were mm-hmm. very real for about uh, eight years. <laughs> so uh, there were guys that made those Olympic rosters over Damian Lillard that definitely should not have made that roster over Damian Lillard. Um, but it, it's kind of funny because if you look at um, the biggest trades in the NBA, like the, the earth shattering trades, not Rudy Gobert to Minnesota, it's not earth shattering, but like the superstar trades around the league, every single one of them has been forged at, at Team USA. Yeah, you go back over the last 15 years and it's Mm. every single one of them has been forged there. I'm not saying Jeremy Grant is, but like I would imagine that over that time, Damian Lillard built some relationships with guys that would pay dividends come this time of year. And this thing is. I think when you look at things and not that people don't want to play with Jalen or Josh or Julius or whoever ends up being their long term, just Mm. that I get New York market. That's there's I mean, the guy like Donovan wants to go there because he's from there like Mm -hmm. and, and he's a star. but. Dame's a top 75 guy. There's a clear delineation between those guys. So I, I think that that's, that's what Portland is really hoping and praying for is that those, those relationships, this is where they, they cash in all those chips. Now, if they get nothing out of this summer and they fall on their face, then I could see the discussions about Dame. I, and I don't think it would happen immediately, but I could imagine discussions would start happening about, Hey, listen, you know, we got a cart. Got to change some paths here because things aren't working. Because honestly, I you know the last iteration of the Blazers with Neil Olshay, they they wasted probably five six years of Damian Lillard. So I'm trying to think who's on Team USA that could be in play. Because what the Nick fan, certain Nick fans out there are thinking is that is indeed in the Embiid sweepstakes, the, the CAA, the ties, CAA yeah. connection. Exactly. Yeah. He's Leon Rose was his his former agent. Yeah. And look, there's there's this fantasy scenario where. And look, I, I have no idea of how realistic this is or if this is a pipe dream, but you, you're the three six. You eliminate the Sixers. Harden goes to Houston. Embiid asks out. The Knicks mm-hmm. have this treasure trove of assets to throw at Daryl Morey. I don't know if Morey would want to do that type of deal because he's always wanted like a guy back. Like mm-hmm. he might, you might like actually have to trade Julius Randle in that type of trade, but. Um, and that's, that's right, you you do because well, yeah, duh. But like the <laughs> point being is, that's not a Team USA. Like that's the next guy. I think, I, 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 I think I'm just at, put, like you know? when I say Team USA, I'm talking about like like guys. Yeah, no, Booker Dudes, and Durant like, made the connection there. I get yeah, that. Like, Even Durant and Kyrie and uh, DeAndre Braun, Jordan was Braun a thing. And, you know, Braun Bosch and Braun, D Wade. Yeah, like, Braun Bosch and D Wade. You're right. All, I get uh, it. KD Iguodala and with the Warriors, mm-hmm. like all all of those all those deals like have come together. There. And Draymond, wow, yeah, okay, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's disgusting. Like you go back and look at the history, it's like God, these guys really just party together and like plan this out years in advance, which they do. Like it's not some third eye Kyrie stuff. It's like, that's what they do. Um, but yeah, no, like and here's the thing: when you're looking at this summer, um, my 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 hot take this summer is this: Harden does go back to Houston. AD does get traded out of LA. Um, Trey Young is explored out of Atlanta. Like, I think there's probably going to be five or six, like, first team, second team, all NBA guys that are discussed changing hands. And when that happens, 
how many teams, Portland and New York being two of those teams, have the assets and like the willingness to make those kind of moves. This summer? Mm-hmm. Like if you, you mentioned Philadelphia falling short, what happens if Miami just falls on their face with Butler and well, Bam? That, yeah. Oh, where, where, where was Bam a team USA guy? Uh, so that's that's their path out is Butler <laughs> and Bam get. See, the problem I have with the Miami thought of them blowing it up is Riley. He's his, he's like a hundred years old. I don't know how mm-hmm. much of a rebuild he's going to want to go through, but I understand the sentiment that first of all, that there's just like free agency is not a thing. There's no real guys no. to look at and be like, we're no, going to sign him. Doof. So as a result, the trade market's going to be active, which is why I commend the Knicks for yeah. how they've structured all of their contracts early descending. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that are ascending that you could imagine are going to be on their way out yeah. in a deal soon. Hello, RJ Barrett. Um, <laughs> but as a result, the the fact that you're going to have to improve your team via the trade market is something. But you, exactly. And you have yeah. to thread the needle. And that's not an easy thing to do because you do need two teams to participate and everything else. But I think this summer... It's not being talked about enough as far mm-hmm. as like how how busy things are going to be on draft night. And heaven forbid the Blazers, let's say they tank and they end up like the sixth or seventh worst odds or best odds. What if they win the lottery or they move up to two, mm. three, or four? Like if all of a sudden, then what the hell happens? And like that's and again, I don't want to like operate in the exceptions are the rule kind of a situation, but like that's the kind of position that they could find themselves in. Like if all of a sudden they're number two and you've got Damian Lillard and Scoot Henderson's there, like you start angling that pick on draft night, you know, then the rebuild, if you're Pat Riley, if you're offering up, you know, Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson, that looks a little bit different, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, that's a hell of a reboot. Like our books get cleared immediately and we can do this. Like, like that's the kind of situation I think that the Blazers are, again, you can't, you can't play on those like as, as the exceptions, like those, that's how you need to operate. But those are the opportunities that are there. Yeah. That's the and move. If, yeah, yeah. So again, I have a very strong suspicion that they're they're going to take a monster swing, and that's the really the difference between this this front office that they have now, Joe Cronin uh, and his assistant GMs, and the previous uh, front office and Neil Olshay. Before we move on to the um, the topic everyone's waiting for, Josh Hart and Cam Reddish, <laughs> um, I want to stick with here with the front office and more specifically the entire management structure with Billups, because you arguing mm. on the other night with people talking about coaching. And this has become <sighs> like a mandatory question that I have with mm-hmm. everybody that I talk to on these shows. And it's that like everybody hates their coach. Like yes. we've had people, we've had people like I'm talking to a Kings fan last week and it's, he's the only person I've talked to. It's like, Oh, we love our coach. They haven't had a coach in 20 years. Like Rick Adelman was literally was 2003. Yeah. They literally have not had a coach in 20 years. Literally. They're like, yeah. that they're happy about. Yes. So, so as a result, yeah. I saw you <laughs> not necessarily defending Chauncey Billups, but no. more being like, it's just not, he's not the, the reason that this thing has completely gone off the rails. And if you had to pinpoint like the job that he, or I guess grade the job that he's done this season, if you feel comfortable. Yeah, no, no, no it's that, totally fine. Like, just like how, what, like how much does he have responsible for look, the fact that they're 31 and 37? I, I would grade it like a C plus. Okay. Okay. So here, let me, let me kind of frame this up. The Blazers came into the season with Joe Cronin, like the, the, I don't want to say the season was lost to start or at any point lost because part of the goal this season was not necessarily, it's not to not compete because all these guys compete, but it was after the last year tanking, it was let's, because none of these guys had played with Damian Lillard. Yusuf Nurkic was the only guy who had played with Damian Lillard. Anthony Simons Mm -hmm. was a bench guard who 
worked with the second unit. And Dame did not play with the second unit. That was CJ McCollum. That was who ran that. They brought in two new starters. Like Nasir Little was a young guy and he was supposed to start, but he was recovering from the same abdominal groin surgery as Damian Lillard and Gary Payton. So he wasn't ready to go at camp. So Josh Hart becomes the de facto small forward start starter. And so you're already like you're coming out of the gate. And here's here's a little fact. The Portland Trailblazers have not and will not have their eight-man rotation that they wanted on opening night all season. Mm. Not once. Not once. Like that's such an insane stat. Like, and so you look at it and Joe Cronin said, look, we know we're undersized. Like we know that after use of Nurkic, we have no real, real, real size. Like Jeremy Grant is 6'9". Drew Eubanks is 6'9". Like Trenton Watford is 6'8". Jabari Walker is 6'8". Like they've got a bunch of 6'8 and 6'9 guys, but they don't have like impactful size. And they're starting Josh Hart three because Nasir Little is neither healthy nor ready enough, who is 6'6 and about 230, which makes you bigger at the small forward. So instead, you're starting six four and a half, six foot five, albeit the best rebounding guard in the NBA, and Josh Hart. But you're already giving up size because Dame's six one, Anthony Simons is six four, but he's two hundred pounds. So they're came into the season knowing number one they're small, numbering number two that like they don't make perfect sense, like they don't necessarily have the additional playmaking, they don't have like the wing that they want. Remember at the draft they tried to go get OG Ananobi. Which you go get six foot seven, two hundred and forty pound OG Ananobi, Dame Ant, OG Grant, Jeremy. That looks a a lot or uh, uh Nurk. That looks a lot better and a lot bigger on paper. Now your bench is Nasir Little, Josh Hart. Like you, you're just a lot bigger and you're a lot more functional. And so I don't think Chauncey really ever had like the, the, the full deck to work with. Now have they pissed away more leads than anybody in the NBA? Yes, sixteen double digit blown leads. Mm. Give them half of those. They're 38 and 29 or 39 and 29. Yeah. They're right there with where the Knicks are. Like, no, believe go, me, I get it. Yeah. The Knicks have were, a ton of blown leads like that, too. So I think that's just not to, not to discount what the not, Blazers no, have done no, yeah. this year. That is just like a thing happening in the league this year with double digits. No, yeah. There's, but, there's no, yeah. no lead is safe, but like 16, yeah. it sounds like a lot. But at the same time, like I said, with not having their top eight and the, the problem isn't hasn't been like the length of injuries that they've had. It's been when like they just haven't had Dame and Ant at the right at the same time. Uh, Justice Winslow has been out and was well, he's likely done for the season. Like he had a high ankle sprain that is bad, just mm. bad, bad, bad. And as it it much as like, well, what does Winslow matter? Winslow is the connective tissue for like the staggered groups. He's the, like their secondary playmaker. Yusuf Nurkic is their the, the primary secondary creator with the first unit. Like he's the hub that everything kind of runs through in their pick and rolls and playing four on three. Like, and so without all these, their creators, Cam, <laughs> Cam is coming to the trailblazers running the second unit. Mm -hmm. That's what's been happening. Like that's how limited they have been on initiators and primary creators. And so I sit here and I'm like, everybody's crucifying Chauncey for not running creative enough offense. And I'm sitting here going, what the hell do you want him to do? Like mm. the, he's, he's not, he doesn't like it. And again, could they scheme some things to like win on the margins a little bit better? Sure. But if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel to try to get by on a nightly basis and you're not doing that, like I, I can't, I can't indict him for that. You know mm. what I mean? Like to me, the best, like two or three coaches in the NBA, like there's clear separation, but coaches like six through 20, six through 18, it's kind of like 
does they do they fit your team? Like one coach could suck in one location, do everything the same in another location, have it work for them. I think it, it, just, it just depends on where you are, the opportunity given, the personnel that you have, how well you work with those people in like, and that's the thing about Chauncey. I'm around the team. I, I don't think he's lost the locker room. Like, do I think that there are questions about certain things? Sure. But I don't think this is a, a situation where like people are just tuning him out. Yeah. And that's, that's the big thing. And like Tibbs, I, I think that happened to him in Minnesota and that's not an indictment, but things like just run their course. Eventually. I don't think that it has necessarily run its course yet with Chauncey. And that's going to come up again when we talk about cam, because obviously like the daily news just put out a thing where they asked cam without a single follow-up about his time in New York. Um, and that led to like crucified Tibbs again, which I wonder, like, do I think the Knicks handled the situation well? No. Do I wish they had, like, had a plan of, like, Tibbs, if we trade for this player, is there a rotation spot open? How's that? We're trading a first-round pick? Like, could we actually, like, use this player? Like, actually be in, in lockstep with your coach? For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 15 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. The thing you just said about has he lost the locker room, I think, like there was a point this season, like your own Weitzman just uh, wrote an article that Oh, recently, it was over the last couple of days about how there's this December 4th inflection point with the Knicks mm-hmm. where they, and this actually will lead perfectly into the cam conversation where the Knicks blew like a big first half lead to the Mavericks and mm-hmm. then Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock and everybody that had something to do with the Knicks um, rained threes in the second half. And it was a matinee game at MSG. Dolan, like apparently gave the entire front office and his uh, staff like fix this. This is, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And everybody, all the, all the people close to us and everybody around the the team was like, some changes might come if they lose the next day. It was a back to back the next day against Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs. And if they lose to Jalen Brunson's old team, and then the guy he didn't trade for in back to back days on a Sunday night and then in New York city, a lot of us think that if they lose that game to the Cavs, they, um, that, Tibbs is fired. What ended up happening since then, Dan, Mm -hmm. is the Knicks have the second best record in the NBA, the second best net rating. And the big thing that happened, and this again will lead to the player we're about to talk about, they took Cam Reddish out of the rotation for good. (laughs) And I am not tying one to one. Do Again, do I wish the Knicks had handled him better? Yes. Mm -hmm. The situation better? Yes. Our assumption was at a certain point when the Knicks had kind of they had won, they won eight straight games from that point they uh, they had shortened the rotation to nine which highlighted they gave more minutes for Emmanuel quickly and kept some of their other players that are doing things that Tibbs is more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think there was actually a point where you could have like given 
Cam another shot? Yes. I also wonder if an agreement with owner, an agreement with front office agent, player, coach was like, we're just going to keep him on the sidelines. Until we'll find, he, yeah, to the yeah, to avoid an injury at the deadline. We'll find you a new home. No. Um, but look, I'm just going off the his numbers get thrown at us since he came, went to Portland all the time. <laughs> And it's like Cam had this tonight. He's mm-hmm. he's shooting these splits, and we're just like Josh Hart's been a revelation. And I'm like, are you, at, like, are you are you watching Josh Hart? Right. Like I also Cam. So this is where I actually need you to clarify for me because I'm looking at his like his on off splits, and he's he's in the 50th percentile. This is better than it was the other night when I looked, mm-hmm. to be honest. But. Um, he's still a minus when he's on, he's on the floor versus off the floor. His offensive to defensive rating is minus 8.6. They're four and nine since the trade. They have the worst defense in the NBA since the trade. I'm not blaming cam. I'm just asking how much does that have to do with it? And this is where I go to you. How has cam reddish looked? Is he the prince that was promised that his hive continues to tell us that we gave up for nothing? Uh, what's really funny is like this. It's mentioned. It's funny that you mentioned Cleveland as an inflection point. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2018, 19, when the Blazers went to the Western Conference Finals, they got the crap kicked out of them in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and a at matinee game. Uh, Zach Collins turned 21 the night before. Oh, okay. Uh, he got interviewed on the sideline, and I could smell the vodka through the oh, TV. Okay. I mean, they got embarrassed, and it it was bad. It was so bad. And had they lost in Cleveland, it's kind of funny. Like Knicks, Cleveland, inflection points, coaches. Yep. Terry Stotts was going to get fired. Like it was. It got that bad. Yeah. And um, they end up going to the Western Conference Finals. So it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned those teams, kind of again in that same kind of scenario. So you heard it around again. The Knicks are headed to the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals because of an inflection point that, that involved the, the Knicks and the Cle- yes, in the Cavs. There you go. There you go. Um, so with Cam, like I mentioned, like he's been having to run the second unit and you'll see uh, he's played 13 games now in just under 400 minutes with the Trailblazers. So real quick, he started initially, right? Like he, yes. he was in the starting five. I just recently noticed that he went to the second unit and Tybal got moved. Uh, Simons came back. Simons yeah. came back. Okay, so yeah. that's why. So uh, yeah, no, Simons was out. Uh, Tybal was the natural guy that were sliding into three to be kind of alongside to be Dame and Jeremy and Nurk when they're all healthy. But uh, Cam was starting. Um, Chauncey was raving about Cam. He Mm -hmm. thinks that there's truly something special about Cam. And I will say this. Cam does stuff that makes your eyebrows go up, particularly attacking the rim. Now, finishing at the rim is a different story, (laughs) but attacking the rim, his, his ability to accelerate and decelerate is elite. Like one of the things that I think is often under discussed in the NBA is the ability to decelerate. Uh, I think Luka Doncic is the best deceleration guy in the entire NBA. That's how he's it was like, not that fast, but no, but he's one of the strongest guys in the league and he can stop literally on a dime. Like it just, you just blow right by and that's how he draws fouls as well. But cam keeps, keeps people guessing the the problem that he has is transitioning power up mm-hmm. and actually powering through and finishing. And for a six, eight guy with good size, that's underwhelming to say the least. Um, but I see like what, they see in him like he has the ability and pick and rolls to create for himself. And he has had a couple passes where I'm like, okay, the vision opens up like defensively. I don't really kill him right now because well, Portland's 
terrible defensively to begin with and integrating into a new team and just like, here, go. Like, yeah, that's not exactly easy to do, particularly when he didn't play for 30 games. Like he wasn't in game shape. Like, so working his way into that. But the flip side of this is when he's bad, it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Like there, like there is no like, okay, here's the average for camp. It's either, oh, that was sexy as hell, or oh my God, what the hell is he doing in the NBA? Like mm-hmm. there's there is no in between with it. But I again I understand like the like why you can get enamored. And he, here's my thing for him. For him to be good, for him to like be a guy, he needs to like be remotely reliable defensively and finish at the rim. He does those two things. He's a good NBA player. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I'm like, I've been looking at his cleaning the glass numbers in Portland in 13 games. He's 58% at the rim. Yeah. Like if you're six foot eight, like, which is why he didn't fit in, fit in New York. Cause you can't have RJ and cam. You can't have two big dudes who can't finish at the rim. Like the defensive effort, I think is the, the, the he had too many of those games, especially when he, mm-hmm. he started seeing his minutes get fewer and fewer of the, why are you still in the NBA and nothing mm-hmm. Will drive a head coach more specifically this head coach yes more <laughs> crazy yes. and look like the guy that they replaced him with was Deuce McBride who mm-hmm. was like started it's off but it's an effort guy but like started mm-hmm. off at a zero offensively and it was like listen you're here to play defense and we saw the impact immediately then teams started going zone against the second unit it was like all right you're gonna have to start making some shots which yeah. brought back up the why aren't you playing Cam type of stuff. What's been really cool to see, and I, I do have a follow-up on Cam in a second, is to see like Josh Hart came and took his spot in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And during this road trip when Brunson's been out, you've actually seen like, oh, so maybe him and Josh Hart, maybe that's the prototype. Like Hart's taking like five, six shots a game, but he's making an impact. And mm-hmm. Deuce, like maybe we don't need you to shoot that much. Just make an impact offensively. Move the ball. Be a, a like hit an open shot when you when you get it. And that I think is what has made this so attractive to the Knicks is a player like that. Where unlike Cam, who really I thought needed to go someplace, make all the mistakes you need to, and kind of learn on the job. I think that that's true with a lot of young players mm-hmm. that don't really get the freedom to operate in a in a not so pressured environment. Like and Chelsea just, has led him. And that's the which thing. Is good. Like, yeah. Which is like yeah. that. I Again, don't mean this too disrespectfully, but no, no trust I, me, Portland's on, they, Portland can offer that right now. I thought like he needed to go to a place like when Markel Fultz got traded from Philly to Orlando, yep. where it's like, go to a place where winning isn't like the most number one priority right now. Yep. And as a result, like I, I hope Cam plays every game the rest of the well, season. He's going I hope to get like his, I mean, like as many minutes as possible to make yeah. all these mistakes. I cannot fault the Knicks where every game is imperative and you need to try and win every game to turn to players that impact winning a little Two more. Two years ago, the Blazers wouldn't have done this. Yeah. Like they, they, they wouldn't have given this opportunity. And that the thing is, like, because the Blazers, part of the reason the Blazers traded away Josh Hart is because they don't want to pay him $18 million next year because mm-hmm. he doesn't fit. Like, it's not that Josh Hart isn't good. And it's not like they didn't want Josh Hart. It's just that when you have Damian Lillard playing 36 minutes a night or 35 minutes a night and Anthony Simons playing 34, 35 minutes a night at the one and two, there's 96 minutes to go and you only have 30 more minutes to give there. And are you giving every single one of those minutes to Josh Hart? Or are you trying to get a Matisse Thibel in there? Or are you trying to get a Shaden Sharp in there? Like, and so it was like, well, which one do you kind of prioritize? And when you've got a guy like Camp Reddish, you can slide him up to three much more easily than you can Josh. Like, 
Josh can go against second units as a three. You can't mm. close with Josh Hart as a three unless you're big everywhere else. Like, come playoff time, I would be shocked to see if Josh Hart closes as a three in New York. I'm sure Tibbs will try. Really? I'm sure Tibbs will try because he rebounds incredibly well. But what will end up happening is in 16 game seasons, they mismatch Hunt. And as much as Josh competes his ass off defensively, and he does, there's no doubt. You do not get lost minutes with Josh Hart. That's what I love about it. I love Villanova guys. Mm-hmm. Love them. As much as he competes, and I think he was like the number one or number two rated ISO defender among guards uh, for most of the season in Portland. He was he was very good. When he got exploited is when he got put in those pick and rolls in the big guard, in the big wings got him. And in the East, you got plenty of big wings you got to deal with. And that's the thing is I look at that and I go, eh, like, I think Tibbs will try it. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think in the long run, it's one of those situations where it's like, I don't think you optimize Josh putting him in those situations. But I also think the Knicks have done a very, very good job of letting him eat minutes between halfway through the first quarter and halfway through the third quarter. Like he just, he gobbles those minutes up and he patchworks over everything. I was looking, he's shooting in the 99th percentile with the Knicks on effective mm-hmm. field goal percentage, just under which 70%, which it, it, it'll do. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Look, he yeah. did the exact same thing in Portland. Oh, when, the, when the Blazers traded for him from the Pelicans, he had, uh, they, they called it, he had his Barack Obama game. He had 44. Mm-hmm. Like he went nuts. And it was just like, what the hell? And it, um, I'll send you the link when we're done here. I asked Josh specifically about why he stopped shooting threes in Portland and what was going on. Like it's a video conversation that took off on, on Instagram a little bit more, mostly because he's rubbing himself with lotion as I'm asking it. <laughs> the women got a little too hot and bothered over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, he wasn't avoiding it. But when Josh came to the trailblazers, he had a 53% attempt rate on threes. He had dropped down to under 22%. Like, that's a staggering change. Now, back with the Knicks again, his three-point rate is back up. Yeah. Like, and so it's like, I think there was certainly, I don't want to say an issue, but I, I, he definitely had a mental block about, number one, his wife's pregnant with twins. Number two, like, he's getting traded. He knows he's getting traded. It was the worst-kept secret in Portland. So I would imagine all that stuff kind of is like, he's tight, but he gets to New York he gets to be with his his, his BFF and Jalen. He knows that the contract situation. He's good there going forward. Like, and Josh is the ultimate like good vibes roller coaster. Like when the vibes are good, man, you want Josh leading it mm-hmm. because he keep the good times rolling. That's what he does. So two things. Um, one, as far as whether or not he closes in at the three in the playoffs, I think. I, I honestly think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to, unless RJ is feeling it or quickly. Um, honestly, no, I think the Knicks best closing lineup is, is Brunson quickly Hart, Randall Mitch. And then if RJ is feeling it, it's either honestly, I think he'd probably Tibbs would choose him over him or quick. quickly, yeah. which to be honest, I'd, I'd rather have Emmanuel quickly in his defense at all times. I, I, but would too. I think there is a, a case to be made that if Josh Hart is playing poorly, like he played poorly against Miami, but that mm-hmm. effort that you saw, like to your point, big wings, like Jimmy <laughs> Butler yeah. might give him some problems. Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like those guys, so, like, but the realize what you're saying, the Knicks are not going to see the 
Miami Heat in the playoffs, unless we get to like the conference finals True. and for some reason With it's the, the six versus the seven, you know, <laughs> or the five versus the it's seven, fair. you know. So where the Knicks are right now, I actually trust Josh Hart against a Donovan Mitchell or a Darius Garland. Yes, those matchups, of, he's, guard matchups, he's significantly better. So as a result, mm-hmm. if the Knicks are able to survive a Cleveland first round matchup and win the Donovan Mitchell Bowl, and they're in the second round against, let's say the Celtics get the one, I'm just everything else is house money at that point. Yeah, the Knicks made no, the second fair. round of the playoffs with Josh Hart. <laughs> that's fair. So that's totally that's, fair. Again, that's where that's, that's, concerned, that's maybe putting cart you know. before the horse, but like in an optimal world, Josh Hart is your super sub, like two guard, mm-hmm. like, because then you optimize him. And I understand optimizing a guy off your bench is not like paramount, but when you have one of those guys, like when you have a super sub that just kicks the crap out of second units and not necessarily in scoring, by winning every oh, second chance, yeah, ball, I get it. Yeah. Like g- hitting the floor, like generating turnovers, getting you extra possessions, getting you out in transition, getting tip outs, knocking down that back breaking, you know, corner three, like those things. Especially in the playoffs, those things are just so huge. Yeah, and to your point about the transition, what I've noticed while they've been missing Brunson is like while quickly runs with the second unit. Mm-hmm. Josh is going to play their backup point guard. Yes. And this is where somebody to optimize Obi Toppin has been necessary. <laughs> and what do you know? A guy that thrives in transition of a rim running big like Toppin is able to kind of get out on Weird the break enough. and actually someone sees him um, in Josh Hart. Uh, let's just wrap up the cam thing real yeah. quick. Um, you are in the locker room. Have you talked to Cam yet? I've talked and to Cam got, twice. Okay. Yeah. What's your impression um, of him? I just kind of introduced myself to him the first time, you know, because he had just gotten there. And when it was very much a, hey, man, I'm Danny. Good to meet you. Welcome here. You know, mm-hmm. if you ever want to talk, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I heard good things about you guys from, from guys in New York about you. I, just nothing, nothing serious, you know, along those lines. Because I, I didn't hear anything bad, bad about Cam in the locker room. Like, that was not anything that was like, nothing that was like, there was like, oh, no, he was a cancer in the locker room. Like, right. I, I didn't didn't hear any of that. So, um because bless me, guys will tell you real quick <laughs> if they don't like somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, other than that, like it was, and like you, you can allude to the piece was it the Daily News that you know it wasn't. I, th- I think the line was it wasn't about basketball. Which yeah, I would have liked to know what it was. Uh, he he mentioned that it was political and yeah, and like, you needed to make every shot and you needed to, and I just. The follow up I would have liked or the emphasis of the article I would have liked is like they're winning. Like that's the focus here. Yes, yeah. you should have some pressure on you to perform in in some results. If And look, like they've given a longer leash to some other guys that probably impact winning in other ways. And it's mm-hmm. that's why. Um, but that's that I thought was like, why didn't it work out with Cam? And I just I thought it was a bad fit. Like you needed mm-hmm. you need to go to a place where they're a little more patient. And, and that is what Bill I think, seems to be. Yes. You and, know, and, where he's ended up now. Exactly. And I, I asked Chauncey about um, Cam specifically. I'm like, what is it about Cam? And he goes at number one. He didn't say this negatively. He said mm-hmm. Tibbs is like you're either, you're either like you're either a Tibbs guy or you're not. Yeah, and, that, and that's not necessarily like you're in the lineup or not, but like some players can't deal with that kind of coach. Like there's, um, I mean, you guys are in the conference, you, you're plenty of listeners probably know this. Like there are players in the NBA who are great players who don't want to go to Miami because they don't want to deal with Pat Riley and the, the Miami heat way. Like they yeah. don't want to have calipers on their arms to know their body fat coming in from camp. They want to, to be honest, they want to take the summer off. 
And then they want to work their way into a season. There are stars in the, in the NBA that come into training camp, not in shape. Shocking. I know. But like there's, there's all these little things around the NBA, like certain coaches do this, certain organizations do this, like finding those fits are, it's super weird and unique. And like, we don't really talk about them because it's like the subtext of everything. But Chauncey was very high and glowingly praised Cam. And I know, I know it was like, well, he's a new player and they just acquired him. Listen, man, Kevin Knox was, Straight up, <laughs> straight up. When I asked Chauncey about uh, Cam and, and Matisse Thybulle, he's like, "Oh yeah, no, they're starting." And I was like, "So where do you kind of think Kevin?" He's like, "Well, Kevin's kind of on a different path." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I was shout like, out I, former Nick Lottery pick Kevin. Yeah, Knox, and I was like, "Oh, is that a path out of the NBA kind of a deal?" Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he knows the deal. Like he, so he's looking at Cam because here's the thing: Portland, kind of going full circle. If they do make a big move this summer. Cam could be in it. Well, not only could Cam be in it, they need some players behind. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the, the Phoenix Suns right now, they're like, oh shit, we don't have anybody behind anybody because we traded everybody. Like kind of a situation. Like if they can get Cam at like six million dollars a year, like is that a bad thing? Mm-hmm. No. Like if they can take and basically turn the the mini MLE that they spent on Gary Payton because Matisse Thibault is an RFA and they now have bird rights for both these guys and Cam and Matisse. And they could re-sign them for essentially this like two players that they could have spent the money on Josh Hart. Granted, Josh Hart's the better player, but like you need like personnel, you need like bodies that you can count on. And so if Cam is one of those guys, yeah. So they're they're investing time in him. They're they're letting they're letting him run the second unit. Like they're showing him like the, they're showing him the love. And I think Chauncey, the exact words he said is, I like pouring into young guys. Like, I like pouring into guys like Cam. He goes, I don't feel like, he, you know, Tibbs, that's a different situation. He goes, and it kind of said like Atlanta, like, eh, you know, <laughs> I think we all could kind of look at it from Atlanta and go, ah, yeah, well, Trey Young. So, well, no, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a whole other bag of worms, can of <laughs> exactly. worms, um, bag of laughs, can of worms, whichever yes. analogy you want. Um, but, yeah, the, the yeah. So, just to, I, I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity. I, I genuinely hope that, mm. like you, you mentioned, his next contract. I'm glad that I, I, I thought someone might take a chance on that talent anyway. But I'm glad there is going to be like let's, let's think about this way: if there's like if, if it's a three year like eighteen million dollar deal, yeah, or three year twenty one million dollar year with incentives, something incentives, guaranteed, team option. Yeah, 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 like is anybody mad at that? Like even no. even if he was if he was if that was the option with the Knicks, would you have been mad at that? The way they were using him, I would be surprised that they're using. Well, but it'd be like that, like commensurate talent level, like is like is what I'm saying. Uh, to where the Knicks are right now, I actually would be like, why are they spending money like this on on Cam Reddish when they're not going to use them? No, so you know? I'm saying, but like if, if but you in theory, just, just market yes. value, yes, that's yeah. probably what. And with the cap going up, what a Cam Reddish is like, it, it's is really worth, you know that's like slightly above you know a BAE. Yeah, and if and if that's the it. case, and you're protecting yourself, and he's your eighth, ninth guy, tenth guy, like in a perfect world, that's uh, yeah, that's fine. Listen, I, have, I, have, I have Evan Fournier that. is making how much to Was not it, play? Is it eighteen point four this year? You have to think it's that's the number, and then like Derrick Rose is making around eleven or twelve to not play right so now. So it would, it would fit right in having Cam Reddish on a three for twenty one right next to them. But <sighs> again, he's getting playing time and. There's no pressure to be perfect or to win. It seems important. I've had a lot of like Cam Reddish hive like follow. That's me on the Twitter. last question. Yeah. Is no, 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 the Cam they, followed. Hive. they followed. 
how loud have they been? How much has Portland jumped in on the bandwagon? Because um, like there, there look, are people. I don't want to misrepresent, and I'm trying not to be hyperbolic here. But oh, there's no, a loud. lot of, but like there, Dame got his second star. Is like the conversation that seems to. Oh be, no, no, the energy am, that seems to be. Yeah, I haven't gotten that resonating. Gotten, okay, no, wait no, for I, it. One thirty yeah. point game no. against the Knicks, maybe, and maybe that'll happen. I am interested you know? to see how that goes. Because yeah. rivalry games and matchups. Because here's the thing, Josh Hart, forever Portland Trailblazer. They love yeah. him. What he did, follow you know at the, at the press conference, following the whole GP two fiasco, and basically telling the Warriors and the Athletic to get bent on his own yeah. volition. Like he's he's you know on high. Um, Cam obviously it was a, a less unceremonious exit. It wasn't messy, I don't think, but it wasn't great yeah i have no idea i think he's a 22 year old kid or 23 year old kid that yeah guy has been has been given opportunities elsewhere and could understand why he was getting dmps you know and like i again a kid is what i i need to go someplace to make mistakes it's the theme of the my feelings mm-hmm. like cam reddish i don't think he should be out of the league i think he needed to go to portland but like you said he I I I did not get the sense, and I think the fact that the Knicks also have like not commented, and there was nothing, there was never any like behind the scenes like Cam is just this is upset. Just there was a gold, yeah. Like there was exactly. a note that he went to uh, an assistant coach and said, "I don't think I'm being used effectively," and then he which happens out of the rotation. every right single like day. As a result, like so, <laughs> so if if that's I, dysfunction, then every I can team tell is you, functional, you know. But every team in the NBA, there's only one player that's not unhappy. One, one, one player. And that is it. The one with the highest usage. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it's the only player on any NBA team that's not unhappy. So overall, <laughs> if we set like a median reaction to the fan base on Cam Reddish, what has it been? Mostly positive. Okay. Um, like I said. From what I like, I've watched Cam from afar, Atlanta, and then obviously the little bit of time in New York. Um, there are there are always going to be the, the the fans in every fan base that love like young, talented, like lottery picks on on redrafts. Um, I look at Cam and I think he's toolsy, but the thing about me and and how I evaluate young players and prospects is what is the one thing that you do that gets you on the floor. Mm. in an NBA level. Like you have to have a great to elite skill. Like look at every player that has mattered for the Knicks. Jalen Brunson's shot creation, Mr. Robinson's uh, rim protection, Mm -hmm. um, Josh Hart's rebounding. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be something that like translates particularly for your position, but you have to have something that gets you on the floor in the first place. Like Cam, Cam has the potential to be a very good shooter. Like his, his shot mechanics, while a little bit of an unnatural or unorthodox shooting motion, when he quiets his feet and he spends the time to get ready for a shot, he's an incredible shooter. It's it, you, you watch him, let it go. And you're like, that's a really easy ball. He shoots the living hell out of it. And then you watch him not take time and not do necessary preparations. Like when he's in the corner and he's got his hands at his side, instead of being, having his hands up and being ready to get into a shooting motion. And you're just sitting there going, you watch the ball hit there. And he's like, he's going to miss this. And then he air balls it. And you're like, yeah, cause shit, I could have seen that coming. It's like the little preparation things. And that's the thing is, is that him? Is that his basketball IQ? Is it, you know, coach? Like, Tibbs is not a developmental coach. He no. never, never has been. And that's, that's not, not look, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying, no, 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 I hear what you, saying. you go to him if you're like, trying to raise your floor, not necessarily develop yes. a team that where the floor doesn't matter. You yeah, know? exactly. And like, maybe, and again, same with Nate. 
Nate is not a developmental, but what Nate is, uh, Nate McMillan is a culture setter. Like mm-hmm. he teaches you how to be a professional in the NBA. And I think Tibbs is kind of in that same mold of like, this is what it takes to be in the NBA. They're lifers. Like they get that part of it. Yeah. I, I wonder if Cam needed a coach that's like, not necessarily going to baby him, going to help, but like walk him through stuff. And Chauncey's like right on the edge of being a Hall of Fame caliber point guard. Like having a guy kind of show you the ropes in that sense. And maybe again, Chauncey's not the kinder, gentler coach type. Like he chews ass with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do think he sees like little bits of himself in like every like b- primary ball handler. Like, ooh, I see a little something of this. I can work with this. And he said as much. Like, I, I kind of know what Cam's been through. And if you remember Chauncey Billups' career, he bounced around before landing with the Pistons. Like, he was almost out of the NBA before, you know, kind of figuring things out. And so I think he sees a little bit of Cam in that sense of, like, playing for the wrong coaches and then playing for the right coach because he played for Larry Brown in, in Detroit, who was a notorious hard ass. And I think maybe Chauncey looks at him and says, I, man, there's something here I can work with. Now, do I think Cam's going to turn into a star? No. But do I think he's going to be like a, that he has the potential or propensity to be like a plus rotation player? Yeah. He's six, eight can put the ball on the floor, attack the rim and shoot the ball. Yes, of course. Like mm-hmm. it was like, well, he doesn't play defense. I'm like, have you looked at the NBA today? <laughs> like well, nobody plays defense. It's a, a hint of that. And the scoring is just so it's, it's the absurd. most, it's most talent yeah. we've had in the league. Maybe ever. Like you, so. you can't even play defense if you want to, like even yeah. really good defensive teams. What's the best defensive rating in the NBA right now? Is it one Oh nine? It's yeah. The Cavs are like just under one ten. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. think about that. Like five yeah. years ago, one ten was one of the best offenses in the league. Oh Yeah. The Knicks, I go back to that Knicks season with Mello in 2013, and they had the third best offense in the league. And it was like <laughs> they're scoring 112 a game yes. on, a, on 100 possessions. It's like, oh, that would be like one of the worst offenses. Yes, that's what I mean. So it's like, right so now, like, yeah. is there a world where Cam can be a good player in the NBA? Yes, because you look at bench units, and I think that's like the one thing that's kind of missing in, mm-hmm. in a lot of bench units is like having a six foot eight creator who can shoot and score. Well, um, this was the first of two final cam conversations we're probably going to have Woo-hoo. to have uh, here at Nick's Film School. There was this and then whatever happens in this game on Tuesday night, um, there will be a post game reaction that will either maybe, be maybe I'll pop in with you guys in the post game. Just can you believe we let cam go and or it's like, oh, good. We we can I'll just like I'll just like, this, like, hey, everything I said is. Ah. Yeah, never mind. And again, he's, he's not a rotation. Yeah, but I'm again, listening. Rotation player. Like rotation I'm not calling player, him star. Yeah. I'm saying rotation player. See the. That that's you, where the like, hive might come you, find you. You yeah. like how I couch that? Yeah, the, 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 that's where they're like, "What do you mean he's not a star? He he's the prince that was whatever." I am glad he's playing minutes. We'll see how many of those are meaningful tomorrow night. Um, Danny, every time you're here, even though it's only been twice, the time gets away from us, and uh, I'm really because thankful I can't that shut you're, up. Well, that's, that's good. You're works. on radio. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yes, that's kind of shut up. I, yes, I, I literally talk for a living, and I haven't talked for a living for almost two weeks. So I've got plenty to uh, plenty to say. Well, I'm glad we could <laughs> help you get it out. And I uh, wish it was about a basketball team that was, you know, going better, <sighs> higher places. I, but you know, what, man, you know. I, it's funny. A guy again. I, I am a Blazers fan. Like mm-hmm. it's funny. Like I, I grew up in L.A., but I, I grew up as a Blazers fan because the first ever basketball game I went to was Blazers Lakers in the four. Like okay. Um, but yeah, I know. Trust me. I get it. I hope it wasn't 2000. <laughs> Jeez. No, dude, no forum. Oh, the 80s. Fo- okay. Okay. I am, I am the... old. <laughs> okay. Wow. So that old. 
<laughs> yeah, brother, I'll be 39 in a couple months. <laughs> um, 34, 35 yeah. this summer. So I'm not Trust me, shit creeps you. up yeah. on you. Um, but like, I saw Clyde Drexler and how just like just majestic he was. And then I weirdly enough moved to Portland. Like it was just kind of how that happened. Um, so yes, I'm a fan of this team, but I came into this season believing the front office because I've talked to Joe Cronin on and off record. And I kind of understand like what they're trying to accomplish and what they're hoping to do. And that I looked at this year as an evaluation year. And if they were healthy, they would have been like right at 500. Mm-hmm. Like I, I right now them being 31 and 37, like it was like, they're freaking out. Like they're the rockets. And it's just now if they go into this summer and they lay an egg, then I get the pitchforks out. Like yeah. that's, that's kind yeah. of like, no, I, I get looked, it. I looked at this year as an, as, as like a, a real evaluation year. Um, honestly, I think that was kind of what last year turned out to be for the Knicks. Well, that, uh, you wish they would have pulled the plug a little sooner with certainly with the evaluations and, and, and you because can, you, we were seeing a lot of value. We were again, Cam played barely played last year in what and like you I said, remember this conversation a year ago, like an evaluation year. We talked about IQ. Like, yeah, I, w- I was a proponent then of like get quick on the floor. Like, yep, there's no reason you shouldn't be. And uh, there's a little bit of that right now uh, with the Blazers with with Shaden Sharp, but it's like he's a rookie and he's played like 1500 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. calm down. It's not like he's not playing, guys. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. well, um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. We will evaluate how the, the cams of the world, the tie, the thibles of the world and uh, whoever else plays against the Knicks. Uh, people are hearing this tonight uh, against the Knicks. Um, and you know how I hope the, the game goes. I just look, man, I, at the, this point, the cam Portland, stuff is so Portland fascinating. Stacking up L's isn't exactly a bad thing for them right okay, now. So okay. like, I'm again, I'm not wouldn't be shocked to see the soft tank being rolled out. So, all right. Well, from your lips to God's ears, uh, Dan, thank you so much as always for, uh, for making the time for us before you go, tell everybody where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah. You can find me uh, on uh, podcast format uh, on uh, Jack Ramsey's available uh, also on the blue wire network and anywhere else you get podcasts. And like uh, uh, Andrew said beforehand, if you're wanting to hear what's going on, the Trailblazers, you can find me on the Odyssey app, or if you're interested in Portland on 10, to the fan from noon to three with my co-host Dusty Hera. So, um, I'm pretty much all over the place in, uh, Oh, I'm also on YouTube. Just search you uh, Jack Ramsey. Yes. We, do the, sure. we do all the live shows and everything there. Although we haven't done one in two weeks cause I'm still recovering from a wild hip surgery. So yay. And on that note, thank you <laughs> for joining me. Rest up well, my friend. And, uh, it's always good to see you. You too, brother. Take care. Once again, a big thank you to Danny Moraine for coming on today's show and helping me preview this matchup against the Blazers, as well as telling me all about the Dame Lillard situation in Portland. And of course, having the Cam Reddish conversation. Um, Look, Cam Hive, for those of you listening, for those of you that still listen to this show, um, I don't even completely exclude myself from that Hive, by the way. I'm rooting for him. I'm glad he's in a place where Winning is kind of secondary. Development is primary. He needed to go to a place like that. As Danny mentioned, he needed to go to a place where not necessarily coddled was the word, but um, baby obviously isn't the word. Uh, Coached is probably the better word for it. And um, Cam seems to be getting that opportunity. And I'm glad he's playing as many minutes as he possibly can. We'll see how many he plays tonight against the Knicks. We'll see if it's the version of Cam that got benched after the Dallas game or if it's the version of Cam on opening night that sent the Knicks into overtime against Memphis. Um, Regardless, win or lose, we'll be on the postgame 
John will at least be on the post game. Um, I'll be um, behind the scenes, potentially taking it the rest of the way. We'll see what kind of mood everybody's in, what, what will be 1 a.m. on the East Coast when the Knicks are done playing the Blazers. But uh, win or lose, we hope you join us on the post game show um, live um, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook Live, and of course on Twitter Live. Um, and then, of course, this will, if you can't make it live, you can. Check it out on the podcast feed the next day. Thank you, as always, for tuning into this episode. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. As far as a programming note, I mentioned the pod with John and Jeremy. We're recording Wednesday night for Thursday morning. Then we got a casual Friday episode with a little twist on the, the format, which tune in for that later this week. That'll drop Friday morning. And then as far as a pregame pod... It, since the game's at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, I don't know if I want to drop a pod that morning. So I may look to do one Friday afternoon, like drop it then. So that way you have the full 24 hours until game time to listen to it. And look, there was a part of me that was considering just skipping this one and enjoying my Friday night. But I got the Embiid portion of the MVP debate twice. I want to go get someone from Denver and get the uh, Jokic portion of the debate. So we'll see how that goes. Stay tuned as always. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight, and I will speak with you soon. Peace.